Hello and welcome to the Frontier Strategy Group podcast series. FSG is the leading information services provider for emerging market executives. We partner with business leaders at over 200 multinationals by providing them with research, analytical tools, and data to help power their emerging market business strategies. The topic of today's podcast is sizing the Cuban opportunity. My name is Richard Leggett and I'm the CEO of Frontier Strategy Group. And I'm excited to be joined in studio today by one of our Latin America analysts, Alec Lee, who I'll be chatting with about this recent research. Before we get started, as a reminder, this research and all of our content is available via our portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com. Alec, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Rich. I'm super excited about this topic, and I want to start uh, initially at the 30,000-foot level and then drill down. Um, and so the, 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 the main question I have as a starting question is, what's really driving uh, the interest in Cuba amongst uh, our clients. We're getting a lot of questions about it, and uh, I know you have a few key drivers about that uh, mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. Sure. to share with us. Sure. I'll just I'll start out with the, the 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 obvious here, and I'm sure a lot of our clients are feeling this is the the slowdown in the region um, and, and the the need to f- to find new sales. Uh, so uh, clients are, are really looking um, for new opportunity, and they're seeing Cuba as a potential. And they want to know what they can do about that. Probably the second uh, second component here is that everybody's aware that you you've had a rapprochement in the last year uh, between the United States and Cuba, and um, that that could potentially lead to the end of the embargo, which would allow American companies to operate in in this market. Third. Uh, you, you, we have a situation in which the Cuban economy itself is becoming uh, liberalized. Or, uh, what I mean by that is that the government is, is starting to allow uh, for changes uh, and, and you're having a shift in the composition of the economy, which is going to mean that this economy is going to potentially grow faster. And I think we can talk about, a little bit about that later. And then finally, the Cuban economy itself, you know, it's, it's uh, composed of 11.3 million people. And um, if you look at official numbers, uh, you would see that these individuals are, are fairly uh, well off, at least compared to their, their regional peers, and uh, that this could uh, potentially provide a, a sizable opportunity for sales. Help me position Cuba, if I'm a head of Latin America or I'm responsible for Latin America, help me position Cuba in my portfolio if I were to kind of stack it up against uh, other markets in Latin America. And part of this report helps us dissect the data. But just give me a sense of where Cuba ranks relative to the other markets. Right, Rich, great question. Um, and I, I think that uh, throughout this conversation, you'll be able to see why I'm hesitant to a- answer this question with uh, just one number. Um, but I, I'm going to start out by saying that Cuba could be anywhere between the 23rd largest market in, in Latin America and the ninth largest market in Latin America it really depends on how the economy evolves over the next three to 10 years, how the different political components come together and allow for economic growth. Okay. And we'll dive into some of those those drivers here in a moment. But before we do that, just to be clear, the embargo, as you mentioned, has not been lifted yet. And so I guess the question is, what why is there urgency around thinking about Cuba now? I understand the imperative for, for looking for growth, but why now? And, and if I'm a multinational, is there a risk if I put this off till later? Basically, what we're looking at is a situation in which you could have a, the end of an embargo shortly after a 2016 elections. It really it depends on what occurs, what, what uh, party controls Congress after after November 2016. But uh, no matter what happens in the situation, we, we believe that you, you will see uh, an end to the embargo in the medium term. And this means that companies are already uh, looking to move in on this opportunity. And if, if your company is not prepared 
um, for when the embargo comes down, you're really going to risk missing out on on opportunity to make uh, established relationships with distributors, uh, importers, or other partners that will be strategic to uh, growing your sales in this market. So it's a bit of a first mover advantage. And so well worth the investment in understanding the size and uh, the opportunity for your individual uh, business. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit later on with an industry lens to kind of identify where the greatest potential near-term opportunities are. But before we do that, you in the report uh, go through four challenges that multinationals will face as they think through the Cuba opportunity and sizing the Cuba opportunity. Uh, can we quickly hit the, the head, headlines on, on those four challenges? Yeah, sure. So I think the first one is, is uh, basically uh, what we've just gone over is understanding why it's important to think about this now and uh, positioning that um, to, to corporate, why should we be thinking about uh, Cuba now and why should we uh, be thinking about Cuba in a way that it might be different than other markets? Why can't we just go look at the uh, government statistics and, and size, hey, what's the opportunity here? So the complex, making the case and the complexity underlying that case. Perfect, perfect. The second one is, okay, so now we know uh, Cuba has potential. Um, we also know that there are issues understanding what that potential may be. So what are uh, these issues and how are they affecting this market? This in itself is, for lack of a better term, it's an overwhelming challenge. It's it's highly complex. And if you're just going out to your, your normal uh, data provider, you, you probably will be misled at least to the, the risk involved in, uh, in using available data. Uh, the third one uh, would be how these distortions, if you will, to inf the available information and the ongoing political uh, evolution uh, will affect uh, both the market size and the structure of the, this economy. That means not only the magnitude of p potential cells, but also where those cells are going to be. And what I mean by that is that we're really seeing a shift in the economy from uh, mainly public-led growth to uh, a greater private sector. And so that is really going to change how you're going to have to uh, behave in this market. Okay. And the fourth one? Uh, the fourth one is going to be understanding the different risks involved and the different scenarios that could take place. We have a base case scenario, but um, because of the multiple complexities and the uh, various factors that are involved in the transition from a mostly public spending driven economy, it, you have a large downside risk, but you also have a very high uh, ceiling. So planning for all three scenarios is going to be critical, but understanding those is, is very difficult. Okay. So it's a, it's a combination of understanding the political transitions and ref economic reforms and then, uh, and then monitoring uh, that shift from public to private, basically. Those are, those are sort of the crux of the, of the underlying challenges. And on top of that, the complexity of making the case and sizing the market. So when, when I'm thinking about particularly sizing the Cuban opportunity and preparing to enter the market, what, what are some of the considerations that our, our clients should take into account? Right. So I, I think, um, first of all, we, we, have, we have two items here. Um, you have uh, data distortions, which exist. So most international agencies, the IMF, the World Bank, they're all pulling data on Cuba directly from the government source. And uh, if, if you dig into these numbers, there are multiple methodological issues with them. And there's also issues involving it, the fact that Cuba uses two currencies and with multiple exchange rates. 
So I, I won't get into the weeds here, but it, suffice it to say that uh, their reporting overlooks this fact, and uh, this leads to potential distortions in, uh, in, in how they portray the actual market. Talk a little bit more about economic distortions and, and how your methodology or your analysis helps to clarify and address those issues. So we basically uh, break down the, the different methodological distortions, uh, which, which have to do essentially with changes to the, the size of public spending, changes, the government's decision not to um, take into account a lot of the informal sector, which is uh, fairly large in Cuba because the Cuban government controls uh, what uh, private entities can operate. And then you also have currency issues, like I mentioned before. And what happens here is that because of the way the Cuban government uses its currency regime to raise tax revenue, uh, you have a situation in which a large percentage of the population is earning in a currency which is highly undervalued. However, this income is reported in equivalent of dollar terms, making the consumer market look much larger than it likely is. So what is the, what is the scenario, their base case scenario, uh, in terms of the size and the growth of the market, and then kind of what, what, is, what does upside look like, and, and what's the downside look like? Sure. So um, I'm going to start out. What we basically do is uh, we've, we've looked at these various distortions and, and, and provided companies with a, base, a basic idea of how to translate the size of the, the market opportunity based on what we understand from these distortions. And then we've taken seven factors that we see as in, internal and external events to watch or factors to watch, let's say, um, that will have an effect on how this economy evolves over the next, let's say, over the short, uh, short term and medium term, um, whether we have a transition, uh, a full transition from high public spending to a, a more robust private sector. Um, those seven factors, if you don't mind, uh, we have the lifting of the embargo, of course, FX normalization, expanded private spending, um, government austerity expanded private investment, and uh, a potential Venezuela import shock. And what I mean by a Venezuela import shock is if you have a fall of the uh, Maduro uh, regime in, in Venezuela and uh, they, they decide to stop supporting their, their fellow socialist uh, government in Cuba. And essentially what we've done then is we've translated our understanding of how these different factors are going to evolve and we provide you with three different scenarios, a, a base case, upside, and downside. Um, in our base case, we see growth in, in Cuba uh, averaging about 3.5% over the next uh, 10 years. And th this involves basically a, a slow normalization uh, of the FX regime and a, a gradual shift to the private sector. Um, in our upside scenario, we see uh, potential growth of up to a average of 6% in that same period. Um, obviously, you, you'd have an event in which pulls forward the end of the embargo. Uh, again, a gradual normalization of the FX regime, but probably a quicker move to the private sector, which would uh, stimulate investment and a normalization of, let's say, uh, you'd have a more market economy. And finally, you have a, a downside uh, a risk of, of which the government retrenches uh, you, and you, you have low growth averaging about 1% over the next uh, 10 years and, and you don't see any of that really opening or investment or expanded opportunity in the private sector. And that's, a, that's the downside risk. And what, what sort of probability do you put to downside and upside? Uh, right now, uh, we're giving the uh, probability of the, the our base case probability about sixty percent 
and, and then uh, downside 30% and the upside uh, potential of about 10%. Okay. All right. So the, the bottom line is that, uh, you know, somewhere between three and a half and 6% growth is your, your predominant view, uh, at least for the, for the near term, which is in, in a world that's uh, experiencing declining growth, especially from, uh, from developing markets. Uh, that's, that's intriguing. And so let's, Let's 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 kind of wrap up with industries, and and so obviously all industries, the opportunity in Cuba is not created equally for all industries. So let's uh, kind of take a, a a whirl quickly around our different industries, and and kind of give your your, your view of kind of who benefits the most uh, from Cuba in the near term, and uh, and and who uh, who should maybe take a little bit longer view. Sure. So I'll, I'll stick with my base case here, in which we have. A, a gradual normalization in the FX regime and gradual normalization towards a, a, a stronger private sector. Really what we're looking at here is a, in the short term, a, because you're going to have a pullback on government spending, um, both companies are selling to the government, which makes up the vast amount of spending in, in Cuba and uh, consumers because of the large amount of the workforce is, is, is paid uh, by the Cuban government. Both those uh, sectors are going are gonna to hurt, uh, be hurt in the, the short term. It sells are, are going to be down, but um, that's going to allow for a rapid turnaround driven by both investment and increase in exports. Um, you're going to gain competitiveness. So uh, what you're going to see really is enhanced opportunity for B2B companies in the private sector, especially uh, because you're going to have new businesses in Cuba that couldn't exist before, and you're going to have considerable investment coming from abroad. So we're talking about anything from electricity generation to uh, infrastructure in, uh, investment, excuse me, um, uh, logistics. And then you have your, your basic uh, consumers. Once uh, this private sector takes off, uh, we, we'd expect incomes to, to rise over the medium term, and you'd have liberalized markets allowing for uh, direct access to those consumers and, and, and greater sales. And you mentioned, you know, in the near term, government spending pulled back a little bit. But what about healthcare? I mean, that's a major client cohort for FSG. And, and obviously, I think they're eyeing this Cuba opportunity as a, as a potential large growth market. Right. Um, healthcare uh, companies uh, should uh, be particularly uh, concerned to begin with with the, the available statistics is one of the major methodological issues that we've identified is uh, that in the 90s, the Cuban government underwent uh, several uh, changes to the way they measured uh, the provision of social services to the, the Cuban uh, people. And this, this has uh, raised GDP at that time by about 15% over what it was before. And, and so we're seeing uh, that you could potentially have in the Cuban statistics a uh, large uh, distortion in the, the number of uh, regarding healthcare spending. And that would mean that spending is actually lower than what the Cuban government uh, is suggesting. Um, but essentially what we see in opening driving is not necessarily more spending by the government in terms of healthcare. But uh, the development of a, 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 an export sector, because you do have a highly uh, educated populace in, in relative terms, and your uh, proximity to the United States would create a situation in which you would likely be able to create clusters of healthcare businesses that would be more oriented to the export market than to the domestic market. I want to be uh, sensitive to time. I encourage all of our clients to... Uh, read this report. It's fascinating. And obviously, anytime a new market is opening, 
there's a uh, hype cycle and a reality uh, check. And, and I think this report does a good job of, uh, of providing not only uh, kind of the uh, navigating through, through that hype cycle, but also providing some real tangible methodologies, frameworks, and data to help take the first steps in sizing the Cuba opportunity. So thank you for uh, taking the time, Alec. As a reminder to our clients, you can speak with Alec or any member of the FSG research team by reaching out directly uh, or via your client relationship director. You can also access all of FSG's resources on Cuba and all of our markets globally, over 200 markets on our portal and our new dashboards on portal.frontierstrategygroup.com or on Frontierview dashboards, which are embedded in the portal. This concludes our podcast for today. Until next time, we wish you great outperformance across your emerging market portfolio.